have to say this morning. And I pray, God, that I'd be led by your spirit, that every thought I have, every word I say, and every action I take, Lord, would be led by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to be uh, preaching for a few weeks on uh, the seven mountains. And uh, some of you may know what that is, and some of you may not. But uh, just to give you a little bit, basically this week's an introduction, and I wanted to start off by saying some things that we probably know. And that is, the first one is that we are the church. We are the ecclesia, the body of Christ, aren't we? And Ephesians 1, 22 to 23 confirms that. I'm sure there's lots of other places that confirm that as well. Uh, we are citizens of heaven. Did you know that? We are citizens of heaven. And if Philippians 3.20 uh, confirms that as well. Our homeland is heaven. So if we're a citizen of a nation, it means that's our homeland. And, uh, and so our homeland, as part of the body of Christ, is actually in heaven. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. So an ambassador is somebody that, that goes to a foreign land and lives there and, and advocates for their home country. And so we are ambassadors for Christ, aren't we? So we live in New Zealand, and yes, we might have been born here or we might have been born somewhere else, but we are living here um, and if we know God, if God is our Lord, if Jesus is our Lord and Savior, then we are ambassadors for Christ. Our homeland then con convert goes to heaven. It's in heaven, and we know that we're going to be there one day, but not yet, eh? Because God's given us an assignment to complete uh, for each of us. And you know, Jesus delegated His authority to us, and He gave us an assignment to make disciples of all the nations, and that's in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to nineteen. And for us, as the body of Christ, meeting here on a Sunday is where we get refilled and recharged, ready to continue our role as ambassadors for Christ. So we're not ambassadors. Um, just because we come to church, it's what we do all the other rest of the time that makes us an ambassador for Christ. And, you know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17 says. And that means that when we rub sh our shoulders together, in, uh, our, when we meet together as a body then, and connect with each other, Lord, that we become stronger and sharper and more effective. Yeah. And so to help us with the assignment that God's given us, he's given us armor, hasn't he? Ephesians 6, 10 to 17 explains that armor. It goes through it in detail. And he's given us faith to shield us. That's in Ephesians 6 as well. And he's given us an offensive weapon to use against the enemy, and that is the word of God. <laughs> the enemy is the kingdom of darkness. And... Uh, He's also given us authority over all the enemy's power as well. So Luke ten nineteen says that he's given us power over all the power of the enemy. And so that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. That means we're not sitting ducks, eh? As Pastor Robin mentioned the other week <laughs> about sitting ducks. So. But yeah, so we're not there ready to be, you know, just hoping we're not going to get taken out by the enemy. We, if we know our authority in Christ... We, we don't need to be sitting ducks because we've got authority over the enemy's power. 
And you know what else? Jesus' sacrifice on the cross meant that we've been set free from sin, which has opened the door to us to be able to live holy lives as well. And he set us free from poverty and lack and opened the door to abundant blessing. And he set us free from sickness and disease and pain and injury and grief and sorrow and broken hearts. But he's opened the door for us to receive healing in our soul and our body and miracles. You know, God's desire is to show his love and his goodness through us, his sons and daughters. That's his desire. He wants to show his love to the world. And how better to do it than to do it through his children? Hey. So God has given us the keys to the kingdom, Matthew 16:19 says. And these keys are related to our authority on earth. And that's our authority over, over wickedness, over the enemy and over wicked things. And, you know, the kingdom of God is even mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. And so I'll read that to you. I'll read some of it at least. We'll see how far we go. Matthew 6, Oops. verse um, 9 to 13. Our Father in heaven. Did anyone get raised in a denominational church? Some of us. So uh, I remember going to the Anglican church as a child and I can remember this prayer really well. Um, but it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what Jesus is doing here? He's showing us how to pray. He says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our sins as we forgive um, out those who have sinned against us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen and uh, I just want to point out to you that uh, notice that it says our father in heaven hallowed be your name so we always start off our prayer by thanking God and praising him don't we because the word of God says I will enter your gates with thanksgiving um, and I, I, will, I will go into your courts with praise. And that's how we should always start our prayer off. And that's what Jesus was doing when he started off that prayer, which is now called the Lord's Prayer. But the second verse, the verse in verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which is really interesting that it says that there. And, you know, uh, I'm going to talk about that more soon, but our, our vision includes the kingdom too. Our church vision is building a faith-filled church where people are passionate about living Christ-centered lives and seeing God's kingdom expressed in our nation and beyond. We want to see God's kingdom expressed in our nation. And, and that's our vision for our church, for our part in the body of Christ for this time in history. You know, his kingdom... I'm going to talk about God's kingdom for a, for a little bit here. You know, it's God's desire to see his kingdom on earth. And this must happen before the rapture of the church. 
because Jesus said he's coming back for a glorious church. Ephesians 20, uh, 5.27 says that he, and I'm just going to kind of skip a bit here, but he would present the church to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. You know, it's God's desire to rapture a glorious church, and it will happen. It will, it will happen like that because that's what the word of God says. And uh, it's not looking very glorious yet, but it will happen. You know, the rapture, if, if those of you who know about that, that's, it's talked about in the word of God, but it's not an escape hatch. It's not, it's not a ripping you out of the bad things. What's going to happen is that there's going to be a, a glorious time in this earth that's never been seen before. And the enemy knows this. He knows that the Bible says this. And he's trying everything he can to prevent it from happening. And that's why he's trying to, trying to do what he's doing right now. Because he wants, to see, he wants to see his plans come to fruition. He wants to, see, um, he wants to see things happen like a one world government and things which are talked about in Revelation. He wants to see all of that happen now because he doesn't want the glory of the Lord to be filling the earth. But this is not going to work. His, his theory is flawed. His strategy is flawed. <laughs> Numbers 13.21 says, But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. So what? It, just, I really want you to ponder that verse for a minute. As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's filled. It does... It, so, what I'm saying here is that the glory isn't just going to be in the four walls of this church or all the churches. It's not just going to be in the church. It's going to be everywhere. If it was only in the church, that's not the earth filled, is it? It's only certain spots. But the word of God says that all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And... Uh, I know that Pastor Robin's spoken about the seven mountains of culture or influence uh, for quite some time, and, uh, haven't you? And I remember the first time, I think, was early in 2017. So, so, uh, so she's been having this on her mind for a fair time, fair amount of time. <laughs> um, but, you know, every nation has seven mountains of influence. And these are areas where God's kingdom should be obvious and clearly seen. They're not really, but they should be. And these are areas of influence that we engage in every day. And, but God, he's a loving God, he's a good God, and he has the best ways of doing things. Don't you agree? He's got the best way of doing things. He's got the best way to bless people. He's got the best way to show his love. His love is unconditional and selfless. There's no, no conditions attached to God's love. And so if you could imagine a world that is showing the love, the type of love that God loves us with, an unconditional and selfless love, on every one of these areas that I'm about to talk about. And the seven areas are media, family, arts and entertainment, 
economy, religion, education, and government. I'll just say those again. Media, family, arts and entertainment, economy, religion, education, and government. So God is love. He's not just a, a being that loves. He is love. He actually is love. And when all the people, whether they're Christians or not, experience God's kind of love through each of these seven mountains, then his glory will truly be seen on the earth. And so how can all the people in the earth experience it? It's through us. It's through us, the body of Christ. And some people say, shouldn't God just be, be in the mountain of religion? Why would God need to be in all the other areas? If God's relegated to just religion, then there's heaps of the world that's left, left without it, right? Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we, as the body of Christ, we need, we, we need to make sure that God's love and goodness is shown through all of those areas. So what is it like in heaven? It's a pure place. There's selfless love. Joy, full of joy. Um, the love and goodness of God is permeating everywhere and everyone. Do you think that people are going to be able to communicate clearly in heaven? I would say so. So that would be like media, okay? So when we think of media, we might think of television and radio. But I want you to think of media as being like communication, because it includes those things, but it's not just those things. So in heaven, yes, clear communication. So media, there's a mountain of media in heaven. Is there wonderful relationships in heaven, do you think? Yes, absolutely. And that would be family. That's family. And we're a family. And we've also got biological family too. But in heaven, we'll all be family. And we'll love each other very, very much with selfless love. And, but you know what God wants? He wants that to happen now, not just in heaven. Uh, heaven, do you think it might be a place of beauty? I definitely think so. God's roads are paved in gold, for starters. And look at the beauty you see in the, in the earth, you know, and God's beauty is... And that the earth as we see it now is being tainted by sin. So imagine how much more beautiful it will be in heaven. And, uh, and it'll be a place of fun as well, which uh, I know Pastor Robin likes the idea of that, don't you, Pastor Robin? We all like to have a bit of fun sometimes, eh? <laughs> but in heaven, there'll be fun. And so I want you to think of the beauty and the fun as being the arts and entertainment. So in heaven, everything's provided as well. You know, every, we have provision for everything. There's, there's so much and, and, and it's provided for us. And that's, our, that's the economy of heaven is the provision. And, you know, like uh, when God says to, 
to, uh, to tithe. He's trying to hook us into the economy of heaven. He actually is. He's actually trying to hook us into that economy. Because uh, logical sense doesn't say to give and then be blessed, does it? It doesn't make any sense. But God's ways are higher than our ways. And we worship God freely there as well. We worship God freely and without any kind of restraint or constraint. And that's, that's religion. That's the tr- when, when I say religion, I kind of think of a very dead church. But in heaven, there won't be anything like that. Rituals and things like that. It'll just be free love of God. God and, and worship of God, and that is what religion's meant to look like. And do you think we might learn there also? Apparently, we only use a small percentage of our brain's capacity. Imagine how much we'll be able to learn. I'm quite looking forward to going to heaven and learning some of the math stuff that just goes straight over my head. <laughs> That'll be cool. So, there's education up there as well. And, you know, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and God is the supreme God above everything. And we are kings and priests. So we reign there also with God. And that's, a, that's government, isn't it? And so the basis of all of that is God's love and goodness. But is that what it's like on earth now? It's not, eh? The earth is in a state of extreme turmoil and darkness is, the kingdom of darkness is trying very hard to bring in a new world order and a one world government. And even, it's so blatant that people are even saying that. Leaders of nations are calling it a new world order. So blatant. And, that, and the kingdom of darkness is trying to, to bring as much death as possible as well by bringing death through sickness, disease, suicide, euthanasia, abortion, as many ways as possible the enemy's trying to bring death. And he's also using psychological warfare and deception as well, at making, in lots of ways, but it also includes making people feel like they're not good enough, that they're not worthy, that their life isn't worth living anymore. The kingdom of darkness is working to depress and oppress as much as possible. To fill with fear and anxiety. Have you noticed the fear and anxiety around when you go places? Yeah. And, and ultimately it's to control people. And this is not God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, is it? It's definitely not. So God's plan for his kingdom is, is so much bigger. It's, and if you want to get a bit of an idea of it, think of what heaven's going to be like. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place to be. And I've been uh, uh, reading um, some work by Johnny and Elizabeth Enlow, and I don't know if you know them, but Johnny is a prophet um, over in the USA. But he, he, he and Elizabeth were saying we must bring solutions to these seven structures of society in a way that reflects who God is and how he loves us. I'm going to say that again. We must bring solutions to these seven structures of society that reflects who God is 
and how he loves us. So Jesus said, go into all the world in Mark 16, 15. He said, go into all the world. He doesn't want us um, to get people saved while the enemy's having free reign in every single other area. Of course, God wants us to be saved, but he wants people to be saved, but he doesn't want the enemy running rampant in every single other place. So to truly see God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, the body of Christ needs to bring a change via God's love um, to the seven mountains of every country on earth. And as we're part of the body of Christ in New Zealand, we're commissioned to bring the kingdom of God into New Zealand, which is exciting because we've got a little country with not too many people. Surely it's not going to be too big a job, hopefully. <laughs> So in this time of, of God's glory and power, we, we're, uh, we're going to see miracles and healings and signs and wonders. So what, what we know that God, God is going to do, it doesn't diminish anything that we've been saying because there will be amazing miracles. There will be incredible healings. There will be limbs growing out where they weren't there before. There will be um, incredible signs and wonders. And that will actually draw people in as well. But also, we're going to see things change in every other area also, which is exciting actually. So our, our country, New Zealand, needs solutions that only God can provide. Hey, there's so much messed up stuff in this world, we can't fix it. Only God can. Governments can't fix it no matter how much they try. Have you ever noticed that? They promise the world and do like this much when they do their election campaigns. <laughs> they, it's because they, can't, they, can't, they don't have the solutions. But God does. And he can't provide those solutions if we box him into the religious mountain and leave him there. <laughs> We've got to make sure he's in every other, every other one as well. So, so what are the solutions? They might include things that we can do. So God's, you know, God's looking for people who are ready and willing to walk out the assignment that God's given them outside the four walls of the church. This is the place you come to be recharged and filled. You know, there's only apparently about 3% of the body of Christ are called to the fivefold ministry. And so that's the uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So they're the fivefold ministry. They're the ones that minister to people. But the purpose of that is to recharge and refill you so that you can go out, so that we can all go out and, uh, and bring God's kingdom to the earth. Yeah. So God needs people who want to see change, people who are ready and willing to wage war on the religious mindsets and practices that actually have given God a bad reputation. And that bad reputation has been sort of built over centuries, actually. Eh? And they're mindsets that we might not even realize we have. They're mindsets that can be formed from, our young, from a really young age. 
but we need to be open to changing those what mindsets and even and even waging war on them because they're not helping <laughs> so people who believe the love and goodness of god can be expressed in every mountain are the people that god's looking for you know many things in this world are broken absolutely but god has a solution to all of it now satan has distorted the seven mountains and so you know how there's often there's, there's God's way and then Satan tries to imitate it. It's, it happens in lots and lots of places. Well, this is no exception. Isaiah 11.2 says, and I'll read it out to you. Let me just go there. It says the Spirit, so this is talking about, um, this is a prophecy about Jesus so verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So that's Jesus. And this is talking about the Holy Spirit shall rest upon Jesus. And it's called, it says, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. But you'll notice there, um, wisdom, the Holy Spirit is wisdom. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is actually wisdom. And Proverbs 9.1 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. That's interesting, eh? W wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Notice the number seven. Now I want you to go to Revelation 17. So Revelation 17. Okay, it's a chapter that is talking about, it's a prophetic um, word about the end times. And uh, verse 9 mentions wisdom and the seven mountains, actually. So the verse 9 says, here is the mind which has wisdom. In other words, um, listen to what I'm about to say, it's a wise thing. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. That's interesting that it mentions seven mountains, doesn't it? Note that the woman is referred to earlier in Revelation 17 as Babylon uh, and the great harlot, and these represent Satan and the kingdom of darkness. So they come against the seven mountains in every nation. So the seven mountains... And these mountains do affect all of us, are currently based on lies about God. The Word of God says that Satan is the father of lies. There is no truth in him at all. So the seven mountains, the way that the, the enemy has actually, over the centuries, started working on this, is that uh, those seven mountains are based, if God's not included in them, which he isn't, they're based on lies about God, lies about his goodness and his love. And as a result, we've been conditioned to believe that mankind knows what's best and not God. Don't you agree? So there's a pervasive attitude across the whole world that we know best because God's been excluded. And an example of that is uh, just a simple example is that um, our... Um, or oh, it was uh, Trevor Mallard actually took the name of Jesus out of the parliamentary prayer, and that is a, it is it might seem to you as being just a little thing, but these things have been incrementally happening over a long period of time, 
and for the uh, for the parliament, there would have been a time where nobody would have accepted that the name of Jesus would be taken out of the parliamentary prayer. But over time, a little bit happens, a little bit gets taken, a little bit more gets taken, a little bit more gets taken, a little bit more gets taken, and then suddenly, from the start to the end, it's a massive chasm of difference, like a huge difference. And I was saying that uh, as, as, a, as a teacher, I've been teaching in, um, for the last 10 years. If I think about when I started teaching 10 years ago um, to now, the sorts of things that were promoted in schools then at the beginning are, are very different to what we see now. There's a lot of ideological stuff that is um, promoted to students, which is very anti-God. It really is. And there's a lot of, you know, you might have your core subjects, but even in some of those core subjects, even the godless sort of, you know, um, anti-God stuff pervades even some of that teaching. But not only that, there's other things that are, that are taught in the school too that are completely the opposite to God's love and goodness and, and the way that God would have this world be. And it is not, it is, so the difference, and I was talking to somebody about this even a couple of years ago, I said, have you noticed the change in the last eight years, I think it was at the time, since when you started teaching? And she's a Christian. And she said, I've really noticed, really, really noticed the change. And the problem is that in the education system, we've got young minds that are, that are open to receive, aren't they? And, and they end up getting... They, they do get polluted. They get, uh, they get these ideas in their head that aren't of God. And, uh, and so that, I've seen that firsthand. Um, so, as a, so we've been conditioned to believe that mankind knows best. And so, you know, things like the parliamentary prayer, you know, the, the Jesus being taken out of that. Things like in education, oh, this is good to teach the children. We need to make sure they know all about sex education. And, but they go far beyond what you think would be appropriate. You, some of you would be absolutely shocked at what gets taught in the colleges about sex education. You would be shocked and maybe even embarrassed to hear what they do. But that's not the only thing. So there's work to do. And the devil's tried really hard over a long period of time. But you know what? <laughs> He's not going to win at all. <laughs> so we must know God so well that we, this is our job, we need to know God so well that we recognize those lies when we see them. Then we can instead begin to build the foundation based on God's deep and unconditional love for us and his absolute goodness. So the enemy wants us to continue to believe the lies, but God wants to remove those scales from our eyes so that we can see through those lies. He wants to... The scales are like, like a covering that don't allow you to see the truth. And God wants to remove those scales. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, Satan does not want us having the knowledge of God. 
That's the full and deep un, um, knowledge and understanding of God, a revelation of who he, who he really is. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So knowledge is the key thing for which Satan is fighting and warring against us because he doesn't want to know the truth. He doesn't want us to have deep knowledge uh, or anybody, actually, for that matter. He doesn't want anybody, even whether we, know, whether we know, think we know God or not, um, understanding the love for God, that he, the, the love that God has for us. Um, he wants us to you know, believe that God's an angry God that's sitting in heaven waiting to squish us into the pavement whenever we take a step wrong. But he's not like that at all. He's a God of love. He's a God of goodness. And uh, so it's that, that, you know, that's why the devil brings in his lies and his, his uh, deception. You know, the devil wants to distort our view of God. And uh, I want to give a, just a second quote now. Just, I just want to quote from something I was reading from Johnny and Elizabeth Enloe about Satan. So listen to this. I quite like the way this is worded. Um, it says this, he plans, this is about Satan, he plans and creates lies and arguments against the correct reputation or perspective of God. And because Satan has no real power of his own, he, he is empowered by those he's able to deceive. His lies and his arguments then become a stronghold that holds back entire people groups entire cities and entire nations. That's pretty profound, actually, I think. It's, so if you, you can think of it like this. Lies and, arguments of the, lies and arguments of the enemy are a type of propaganda, aren't they? Propaganda is information. It's, it's information that's biased or misleading in nature, and it's used to promote a view. So propaganda is used to try to make people think a certain way. And Satan uses arguments in each of these seven mountains to make mankind think in a way that doesn't acknowledge God. It does, yeah. He uses lies and arguments in these mountains to make people think that God doesn't belong in media, God doesn't belong in government, or in the economy or in business or in education or in families or in any area. He uses lies and arguments to make people think that God's love for us is actually conditional and, it's, uh, and, and he, he, wants, he uses those lies and arguments to distort our view of God. So the, the propaganda that Satan's been using has been in place since long before we're born. So we were actually born into it. And it's become accepted by many that God should actually be relegated to the mountain of religion. But, you know, Satan's caused people to form mindsets, even in some Christians, that are contrary to God's kingdom. You know, it's been Satan's plan all along to bring his lies and arguments, um, to create strongholds in the majority of the world's population, and as, you know, as time's gone on, even in the lifetime that I've had, which is not very long, 
um, in, in, the, in eternity. <laughs> it's quite short. <laughs> but even I can see the change since when I was young to now. And, uh, you know, it used to be quite... Let me give you an example. It used to be quite a common thing for Bible in schools to be allowed to run in schools. And it was perfectly fine for that to happen. But now, it's really, really not okay. And I, I know of a school in this local area, actually, who, um, and I only knew about it because some of the teachers I used to work with had children there, and they were telling, saying something about it, and they, were, um, they didn't want Bible in schools in their child's school. And so they basically create, they did a bit of a protest. And they protested against, they, they contacted the school and absolutely hammered them about having Bible in school. So the school said, right, well, we're not doing it. And isn't that a sad thing? And so, you know, over time, there's been strongholds that have been created that are contrary to God's kingdom. And, you know, and I know there are some people that would say they're Christians that say, oh, well, God really doesn't belong in the school. It's a place of education. But actually, God is the one who created the earth. Who better to learn from than him? He knows how everything went together. He knows how the earth was created. He knows how physics works. He knows how mathematics works. He created it. He knows, he knows how um, languages work. He actually, remember at the Tower of Babel, he, where everybody uh, was speaking the same language, and he just said, okay, well, I'm going to make it so you can't all talk to each other. Look the story up, if you're interested. And then suddenly they're all talking different languages and couldn't understand each other. Could you do that? No, I couldn't either. <laughs> but, you know... We need to break free of those mindsets that God doesn't belong in certain areas in our society because God belongs in every area. God wants us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. So Ephesians 1, 17 to 18 says that. So he wants to reveal himself through us. So I'm going to talk about reclaiming that which was lost for a little bit and then we're getting close to finishing. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the authority that God had given them as stewards um, over the earth and, and had given them dominion over the earth. And Satan was then able to take that authority from mankind. And then from that moment on, as that's when he started to try and distort our view of God um, and also to distort our perception of his view of us as well. So when Jesus was tempted in, by Satan in the wilderness in Matthew 4 and, Math and Luke 4, Satan offered Jesus authority and glory over all the kingdoms of the world. <laughs> the word kingdoms in these verses means foundations of power. And uh, so it's not nations he was talking to when he said kingdoms, but it was the foundation upon which each nation is built. And so he was offering Jesus the authority and the glory over the seven mountains that he had taken from Adam. So really, if you think about it, what a stupid thing to do. <laughs> God, uh, you know, Jesus came to the earth to regain all that authority on the cross. 
but Satan didn't realize that. So he was trying to offer it to Jesus. But the Bible says that in Matthew 18, 11 and Luke 19, 10, it says, Jesus came to save that which was lost. Notice that he didn't say he came to save those that were lost, although it includes those that were lost. So Jesus came to, to take the authority over the seven mountains from Satan and also, of course, souls. I mean, that is, that is God wants souls saved, but it's not the... It's, a part of having the glory of the Lord over the earth would be to see the seven mountains taken uh, or um, reclaimed, I guess we could say. So in the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, Jesus didn't say to make disciples of all the souls. So again, like I said before, he's not uh, saving us and giving us an escape hatch. Because God wants his glory to be seen on the earth. And in Matthew 5, 13 and 14, I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but it starts off saying, you are the salt of the earth. So that's you. That's all you guys. And you are the light of the world. That's all you guys as well. And salt is a preservative. So if food is in short supply... There are a small number of things that you don't want to run out of, and salt is one of them. What does salt do? It stops things rotting, right? Yeah? So we are the salt of the earth. And light, that illuminates things. It uh, illuminates the truth, and it pierces and banishes darkness. So we are to be the salt. This is what Jesus said, because it was Jesus' words we are to be the salt of the earth and we are to be the light of the world. So if we don't bring the salt and light, then rot begins to set in. And we can see that in society now, can't we? It's getting, it's getting a bit worse, but it will get better. I can promise you that. We're coming into this new time now. So as salt and light, our influence will only be effective if we're not hidden and we actually show up in all the mountains of uh, culture or influence. So remember Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the seven mountains do exist in heaven. So it makes sense that the seven mountains are on earth because God, you know, it's always like that. But Satan has taken control of them. So it's our job to exert God's influence, showing his love and his goodness in each of these mountains and taking control of Satan. So... God loves us with an abundant and never-ending love, and his desire is that we love others in the same way. And it shows itself in actions. And, you know, God showed his love for us by sending his only son to die on the cross, didn't he? And that's love in action. So he gave us an example of that. And, uh, and so we also need to act as well. So whatever mountain or mountains that we have some degree of influence in, look for ways to express God's love for people through the way you work, um, through the way you serve, and, in the, and, in, and the excellence at which you do these things as well. So we in, need to intentionally operate in these mountains with the opposite spirit of what's presently ruling there, which is love and, and goodness of God, the love and goodness of God. So 
over the next week, I want you to think about what mountain or mountains of culture do you have influence over? So are you, uh, communication could be one, which is media, could be family. Um, you might have a lot of influence over your family. Um, even homeschooling your children. You have a lot of influence over your, your children when you're homeschooling. Um, you might be um, involved in the economy in some way. You might have a business. Um, what about education? Is there something in education you're involved in? Or in government even? So think about that. And, you know, I'm just finishing now, but I don't, I don't know everybody here, but what I do know is that God really loves you. And uh, John 3.16 says that he loved the world so much, and that means he loved you so much that he gave his only son. Um, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Um, could I have the band maybe come out, or just even just a few of you? Um, you know, God, that's not just talking about heaven, but it does, in, it does include that. John 3.16 where it says um, he'd, you'd have everlasting life. is talking about heaven, but it's also talking about having a blessed and abundant life now in this earth. So, you know, God wants that for you. And if you would like to make a decision to make Jesus part of your life, then I want you, or if, or if you made that decision and you want to recommit to that, then I want you to pray this prayer after me. And then I want you to come and see me at the front when we have some prayer time because we have something to give you. All right, so if everyone could just pray this after me. Father God, I recognize that you and you love me. You do want the best for me. To prove it, you sent your only son to die for me. Jesus, you spilt your own blood as a sacrifice for my sin. And then you rose again. I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. I choose to put my confidence in you. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, so if we could just have a song played, that would be great. Um, I want to open up the, the um, altar at the front for anybody that would like prayer of any kind, um, for whether it be for healing, whether it be for uh, release of freedom from anything that you feel you've been oppressed by, uh, for any kind of trauma you're experiencing where you need some soul healing, um, please, please, come for, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. And uh, I just want to, I just pray blessing over you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person in here, Father, today. Thank you and all the children out in the children's ministry and anyone else that's around, Father. Lord, bless, bless these people and their families in Jesus' name. I speak life and blessing over them. Thank you, God, that they're protected as they go home or whatever they're doing this afternoon. Protect them and their families in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, praise God. Now, if there is um, soup for sale out in the cafe,